Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about telehealth counseling then and now is Amanda LaRose. We Care Management's owner, Amanda LaRose, has a master's degree in social work, is a licensed clinical social work therapist, and certified advanced social work case manager. She has experience counseling adults of all ages, families, and caregivers. Amanda believes that everyone's experiences change across the lifespan, which naturally leads them to developing coping skills to overcome these challenges. She created We Care Management to support older persons and their family members. How are you doing today, Amanda? I'm good. How are you, Jason? Very good. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to having you back. Um, yeah, thanks we get... for having me back. Great, great, great. So before we get started, for those that are joining us today, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, please type your questions in, and time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. So Amanda, I'd like to start off with trying to get an understanding about how different teletherapy is from just regular in-person therapy? Such a good question. So what I find is the in-person counseling experience is um, a little different because, you know, you're in the same room as, as the therapist. And so um, a, a, the client who is coming to therapy you know, they walk in, you greet them, you're in the same physical space, which is typically very comforting, calm, relaxing, homey. I like to try to have my office space um, a little home-like. And from that experience, you know, it's just, it's it, it brings a sense of peace, I guess, um, and trust. And so uh, it's been interesting over time to adjust to telehealth. However, we've actually been doing it for a while now before COVID. But, um, you know, what we find is that one of the, the biggest differences is, especially for elders, is they're not used to using the technology maybe um, and still value that face-to-face, -face, not just face-to-face, -face, but in-person uh, connection. And so that's been a dynamic that we've had to work on. And the virtual telehealth experience, uh, I, I remember mentioning this before, but I'll mention it to, again. Uh, sometimes for elders, when they don't have the means to be able to use technology, we're doing telephone counseling, which is a great benefit to still be able to reach people during this difficult time who don't have the ability to use the internet and computers and things to do face-to-face -face like we're doing virtually now. So we have this ability to do these phone conversations, but it's very different because you can't see the individual. So I was actually doing a session yesterday with someone and I didn't realize that they were crying. They were doing kind of like a, a silent tearfulness and um, they had to tell me. And so that is that doesn't happen when you're in the same room doing counseling. And, and so there's that dynamic as a therapist to have to be able to adjust and make sure that you're assessing people in the right way. And fortunately, there's been a lot of new trainings to be able to help us with that and just kind of um, adjust as quickly as possible. Uh, now we're really almost only doing uh, telehealth. And, and so 
you know, even though we were doing it before, it's all we're doing now. And so we just need to be up on these skills. And, um, and I, what I will say as a positive is that I've been really impressed to, to say the least um, at how willing people are to try it, even elders to give it a shot and meet virtually. And that just kind of speaks to how, I guess, imperative or desperate or how much of a need there is to connect with people even virtually. And so that's been a positive for us to be able to kind of um, overcome those fears that maybe some of them have and still be able to provide counseling to people in need. So Amanda, you have, what do you have, what do you say to people that are some, some older persons that are, they're uncomfortable with therapy anyway, let alone teletherapy. How do they get support? Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one. Um, so first, I always like to encourage people to just give it a shot. You know, what do you, what do you have to lose almost? Just, just try it, just try it once and see. Um, I will tell you a lot of times that's enough, that that works. Uh, whether it's a family member encouraging a loved one to just give it a shot or whether it's me, myself, um, through email or a phone, con a brief phone conversation. But, you know, typically that does it. If not, um, sometimes it can, especially if it's an elder person, someone being there with them to start the conversation and then they can leave the room. So especially if it's a video like we're doing now to be able to help them set it up and um, and then just kind of let's meet, let's meet Amanda together, you know, and and you tell me when you want me to leave the room. But, you know, I'll be there to support you and let's just see, you know, and hey, maybe I'll like it, too. <laughs> maybe I'll want to reach out to someone and, and get some virtual telehealth counseling. Um, so that's that's a really good approach. And worst case scenario is if if it's not if they're not open to doing the video because maybe the uh, computers make them anxious because they haven't used them very much, then a phone call. We very much can do a phone call, and most people are used to talking on the phone. Uh, except for the younger kids these days. <laughs> um, so, you know, that can be an alternative that has been really helpful. I have a number of clients, like I said earlier, that were just talking on the phone. Um, and so, you know, I think the other thing that you asked uh, as far as people maybe not even being open to counseling in general, uh, that is trying to acknowledge that piece of difficulty that they're having. So let's say a family member of mine is just feeling really isolated right now with COVID especially, and um, their routine has changed and they're not able to get out and socialize as much. And so as a family member, I would say, you know, I hear how lonely you must be. And I know someone that, you know, maybe you can talk to and you know who may know other people who are going through something similar or maybe they themselves are going through it as well and you know maybe it, it might help to just 
talk to her on the phone for a little bit and see see if you feel it's helpful. So that approach um, often works. So Amanda, you mentioned you've been doing the teletherapy for pre-COVID. So I'm curious, can you talk a little about the transitions for you, maybe some problems or challenges that you've seen kind of pre and while we're in COVID? Yeah. So um, before COVID, a lot of people came to us um, because of life's stressors, meaning their personal stressors of maybe having to move to an assisted living community, um, maybe caregiving. Um, perhaps a new illness, uh, noticing changes in their mood. You know, I'm just feeling down and I'm usually such an upbeat person. People used to compliment me on, you know, how I was the sunshine in the room and I'm just not feeling that anymore. Um, those type of things. But now with COVID, as you can imagine, it's all about COVID. It's all about COVID. Well, okay. And politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, but as far as COVID, the things that we're seeing people, um, come to us about is, um, the, the changes that it's causing. So family members not being able to go and visit loved ones, which that's starting to change, which is great. But for a while that, that was the reality. Um, and then especially traveling. So traveling is an ongoing issue. Um, and so not being able to travel, whether that was someone's joy and they themselves were traveling. Um, my grandmother, for one, she loves to travel, usually goes on five to 10 trips a year. She hasn't been on one this year. Um, so that's a significant change. Yeah. And, um, and then fear and anxiety fear and anxiety that people are going to get COVID um, or that, um, or that, you know, things are just going to shut down and be like this forever. You know, what's this, what are we ever going to have a normal again? And when I say normal, you know what I mean? <laughs> what's really normal, but exactly. you know, the normal, yeah, the normal that we knew before. And um, a lot of people are talking about this new normal, but, for elders and for caregivers, it, it just doesn't seem like that's coming. And um, I'm not saying that to be a downer, but that's just what people are saying to me. And so we're trying to support people in trying to look at one day at a time. And I know that's so hard, so hard. I mean, it's hard for me, um, but it's one of the things that can really help. And so those are kind of the differences in the presenting problems that we saw before COVID and now during COVID. I'd like to stay with the telehealth. Since you've been doing it for a while, can, can you speak to some of the benefits of telehealth versus in-person? Mm -hmm. So telehealth, um, especially for caregivers, is great because a lot of times when someone is caring for someone in the home, uh, it's not easy to leave the home and to, to leave them unattended, let's say, um, or I shouldn't say that, but alone. Um, and so it, it brings flexibility in that they don't have to drive somewhere to an appointment. They can still be in earshot distance um, if something were to happen. And uh, it really helps people schedule wise 
But the other thing is, is um, for some people, I know I talked about the in-person as an advantage, um, helping people feel more comfortable, but for some people, being in the same room, meeting a new person can be anxiety provoking. And so uh, what we found with telehealth is that that can be an advantage for some people. It can help kind of ease that anxiety um, and ease into the counseling experience and the relationship, which is really great. Um, the other thing that's, that helps with telehealth is for the individual themselves, the elder or the person who is ill, uh, not being able to get out to appointments, or if they are able to get out to an appointment, it might be really difficult. And uh, so we can, we can reach more people. This is the thing, we can reach more people and support more people, but also it's better for our schedules too, right? To be honest. And therefore we can see more people you know, um, it, it, logistically, I can see more people in a day than if I had to commute to the office and back. And so, um, or to commute to their house, because we've done some house visits also. I mean, that's that's a lot of time in the day. So those are some advantages, um, just a few that I can think of, think of off the top of my head that are really uh, great, you know, in this difficult time to be able to focus on, you know, something positive that's come out of it. Let's talk technology. So as you mentioned, you've been doing the telehealth quite some time. I mean, everybody talks about Zoom, um, we're using GoToWebinar. So how has technology kind of transformed, if that's, if that's the right term, how has it impacted your industry? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you ask this. Uh, so we have to, we have to remain HIPAA compliant. Now the laws have become a little more flexible, um, you know, and I know, I, I think it's great that they've been more flexible. However, HIPAA compliance is so important. And so we've heard the horror stories of what's happened on Zoom, right? With classrooms and things like that. Um, people that shouldn't be in there, you know, causing problems and things. So this is why the counseling experience uh, needs to be HIPAA compliant. So even though we don't have to use a program, um, you know, myself and my company, we are using a HIPAA compliant program. I'm now about to switch over to my third. (laughs) Um, so, you know, our goal is to make it as easy for the client as possible. And the first one that we used was was really difficult. Um, it was difficult to sign in. It was difficult for us to use. Um, so we haven't been using that even pre-COVID. Then when COVID um, started, our electronic medical records system had a great uh, you know, video program within it. But now because of COVID um, and because so many people are needing it, they're increasing the price significantly. Uh-huh. So we're noticing this trend of, okay, well, more people are using it, so cost is gonna go up. Um, So we're now switching to something that's included in a membership that we already are paying for. And to be honest, I'm actually glad that we've kind of, even though it's a lot of transition at once, that we have happened upon this and are now here because 
our clients have been saying that it's a lot easier for them. It's probably the best one so far. So, you know, it kind of goes to show you um, from a counseling perspective that even through change and difficult times, going through those ups and downs like we have with, with our video telehealth um, channels uh, has led us to this better option. I'd like to stay with the laws part. So you'd mentioned as far as the technology, how laws have impacted as far as HIPAA. What else are you seeing as far as laws changing as opposed as, as it pertains to teletherapy? Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the biggest things is that um, we can, well, let me back up. So I am licensed to do clinical social work, so counseling in the state of Virginia. And so um, let's say I had someone contact me from West Virginia before, if they didn't come to the office in Virginia, I wouldn't be able to work with them because I'm only licensed in Virginia. Now, with, with COVID, they've relaxed that um, and, you know, because I actually do have a client in West Virginia that was coming to the office to see me, right? But we shut down our office for a while. Mm -hmm. And right now we're only doing limited as needed uh, in-person appointments. And so this client to have to change from a long therapeutic relationship with me and change a therapist to West Virginia, which in West Virginia, the reason why they came to me is because there's not many therapists. Um, it would be really distressing and, and difficult. And so it's great that they've changed the laws to allow us to be able to work with someone out of state um, when needed. Now, I'm not going to go and start advertising for, you know, working with people in California and New Hampshire because someday this is probably going to change back. <laughs> it's almost guaranteed. And so it doesn't make sense, you know, opposite end to kind of switch that. So if you could look kind of into the future, if possible, as we eventually come out of COVID and there is that some kind of a new normal, what do you foresee with your industry? Is it just going to go back to Amanda's going to be going and doing more in-person and splitting it with, you know, a lot of the teletherapy? Such a good question. Such a good question. Um, so what I'm hearing in the industry is that a lot of people, and to be honest, I don't even know if it's just our industry, uh, are looking at this, um, chain, this change in the way of doing things as an opportunity, right? And so how can we streamline the work that we do? And especially in counseling, how can we support more people and make it possibly easier for them mm -hmm. and continue doing teletherapy. And so I myself am going to continue it because of my, my own situation at home. I have a little one at home and um, my husband goes into the office every day. And so it's a lot easier during nap times and things like that. And, you know, for me to do my sessions at home. And so it's worked out. Now, I will tell you that, again, there are some people that prefer to meet in the office. And so I do have a provider that is going to be um, balancing the two, right? She's still going to do some virtual telehealth and then doing some office visits. So 
as an industry and in, uh, in, in the industry as a whole, I've heard from a lot of people that it's, it's less cost for them to do tele, teletherapy because they don't have to rent an office space um, and that they're able to serve more people. And so there, a lot of people are considering just switching to this. But when we work with elders um, and the work that we're doing in assisted living communities, the therapists that I have going to those communities, it's that's going to continue. People who work with adults and children, um, they they will probably make the decision to maybe what works best for them or maybe doing a survey questionnaire of their clients, their existing clients, and ask them what they would prefer. But, you know, right now with most schools, um, I guess, depending on where you are, being virtual, you know, or half and half. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of people schedule wise, it's better to do teletherapy. Yeah. So I think that it, it again, it depends on, on your, on the counselor's specialty and, um, but at least in my industry, uh, it's going to be a mixture of both. You know, the caregivers, definitely, it's going to be more uh, teletherapy. Would you say because of COVID that you've now found more people are kind of willing to reach out to a, a counselor or a therapist than maybe before? Hmm. Well, um, you know, I would say that COVID has brought stressors that people couldn't imagine and that um, there are different, it's a different ball game. And so because of that, we've had a lot of people reach out um, because it's almost like everyone's going through this, right? It, it's almost everyone's in this difficult situation together. It's not really about me, you know, it, meaning it, they're, they're, um, I don't know, their, their negative feelings about themselves, maybe let's say someone was going through a divorce and they were really emotional about it, of course. Um, and they were thinking about going to counseling, but some people say, but what does that say about me? Does that say I'm weak? Even though that does not say that they're weak. Um, it says that maybe they have strength um, in being able to admit that they're struggling and to seek help. But that happened a lot before and we're not seeing that with COVID. And again, I think it's because everyone's kind of in this new situation and none of us know how to cope with it. <laughs> I, I of course need to um, maybe fake it till I make it. No, just kidding. Um, you know, everyone struggles, right? Um, I, no matter if it's COVID or something else, the coping skills and the ways that we do treatment are, are, are very similar. We just adjust a little bit. Amanda, you had mentioned that a lot of the concern that you're hearing from individuals is, are they going to get COVID? Are they going to get COVID? Can you identify some concerns that you have as far as our older population um, from your experience kind of pre and, and once we're, we're out of this, what worries you? Hmm. Their worry. <laughs> um, so the things that worry me is, um, their depression. Uh, we are seeing high, high rates of depression. I, I am doing a 
webinar soon on um, mental health awareness and suicide awareness in elders, unfortunately, um, because it, it's high right now. It's really high. Um, so depression, because of isolation, because of lack of that social connection, um, change in routine, those type of things. Um, also, with all of those things that I just identified, there is increased risk for forgetfulness and cognitive problems. And so the more we engage our minds, the more we interact with people, the more we get out of our space, whether it's an apartment, a house, a room, the more engaged our brain is, the more stimulated it is, and the better it's going to function. And so um, not only those two things, but also anxiety. Uh, with anxiety uh, comes panic, fear, and with panic and fear, then comes um, changes in behavior. So not wanting to engage with other people, not wanting to leave when you are able to leave um, your apartment or your home. So as communities, um, whether it's an assisted living community, retirement community, or a neighborhood, start opening up and, and socializing more, what I'm afraid is going to happen is that the reintegration for the elders is, is going to really be strained. And so we are working with um, physicians, communities, caregivers, family members on how to reintegrate people um, into the patterns that they had before so that um, this just doesn't snowball and continue because it can and it might. And so that's why it's so important to be proactive in identifying these type of symptoms and seeking support for them. Can we have that conversation also about your concerns via the caregiver, whether it's a personal or professional caregiver, um, especially since they're not able to get in front of an individual? What's the impact for those individuals going forward as well? Yeah, feeling very lonely um, that, that they don't have anyone supporting them. We always talk about, uh, in this industry, we always talk about uh, caring for the caregiver. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, for example, if someone's having a neighbor or an adult child help with grocery shopping, help with um, staying with the elder that's struggling so that the caregiver can get out of the house um, or do something that they just want to do um, for themselves, like go on a walk um, alone, those type of things um, for the caregiver, it's really going to put more stress on them. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, preventative appointments being um, postponed. Yeah. And, and, and that's not good because prevention is key. And so um, more people feel like they have little symptoms and uh, they're not having them assessed and holding off and then it's becoming a bigger problem. And so again, caregivers, same thing. I can't go out and do an appointment for myself because it puts my vulnerable spouse, partner, you know, um, uh, parent in a difficult situation. But again, they have to care for themselves to be able to care for the other. So it's really this very difficult dynamic. Um, so we're doing a lot of counseling and education 
about how to still care for yourself or the caregiver, even with COVID. Is there such a thing, Amanda, as like post-COVID stress disorder? You know, um, they're talking about it. So um, we are, we are, it's a huge process. I'm not going to get into it now, but to put diagnoses in our diagnostic manual, um, but they are starting to talk about it and, um, you know, consider whether or not they're going to have that be an actual diagnosis. Last question, Amanda. Does insurance, is it covered or does insurance cover teletherapy? It does. It does. Before COVID, uh, some insurances did not um, or they had, it was very specific where it had to be video, um, video sessions face to face. Uh, now with COVID going on, um, all insurances, there's laws about it. All insurances have to cover it and it does not have to be via video. It can be um, on the phone as well. And so that's an adjustment that they've made that I think was a really great, great adjustment. Very good. Well, great stuff, Amanda. So how can people find you? Well, you can take a look at our website, wecaremanagement.com. You can also email us at contact at wecaremanagement.com or call us at 703-493-0467. Excellent. Very good. Well, this webinar um, will be on our YouTube page. You can find uh, on YouTube, Knowledgeable Aging. I recommend you subscribe. Uh, also, this will be converted to our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Tunes, et cetera. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.